that this dude was, I mean, he's just a wandering gypsy, but was actually an author and his name was Herm. And I mean, for the life of me, I can't tell you his real name. You know, you know how these people, they yeah. get these nicknames and it sticks with them. But he drove this like 1951 or 52 Cadillac that was the biggest boat you have ever seen, right? It was a convertible, but it no longer had a roof at all. It was permanently converted. Permanently convertible. And it had cowhide seats, old Grateful Dead tour t-shirts for the upholstery. And then he had a three and a half, four foot rack of longhorns. (laughs) And he had them tied around the grill. Big old thick, like two inch rope on the front of his Cadillac, straight out of central casting of what these people must think, you know, goes on in Texas. Yeah. That's what was going on with Herm's car. It was a Cadillac from the 50s that was as big as this room that had a bigger than life set of longhorns across the front of it and tie-dyed t-shirt seats. He and another friend of ours by the name of Aaron Stark are going to New Orleans <laughs> For Jazz Fest, they drive down in Herm's convertible, and somewhere along like Pontchartrain area, as they're rolling into town, it starts to rain, and of course they have no cover on. There's no roof to this convertible. Yeah, open top. And they're powering through to go see fish or panic or something. And Stark pulls out a umbrella and pops it open and is holding it over <laughs> he and Herm's head in the convertible as they're driving into New Orleans. And the first exit off of 10 into the city, they exit, they loop around, you know, they come up and they're at a stoplight and then the shady part of New Orleans, a shady part of New Orleans, yeah. like there's the shady part. Right. And that this Cadillac that's like a 2000 something Cadillac pulls up next to him, totally tricked out, rims on it. And that there's a, a black dude in like a purple suit with like a purple hat, feather, again, straight out of central casting <laughs> with his window down and a cigar in his mouth. And he pulls up next to him and looks at him and Aaron, who looks exactly like Will Ferrell. Like I've never seen a guy. He He's like Will Ferrell, an elf. He's that like uncomfortable. He's big. Right. He just has this goofy ass look on his face all the time. He's smart as a whip, but he's fucking hilarious and he just has he's holding this umbrella up over he and herm's head looking as ludicrous as can be yeah in this giant cadillac with long (laughs) horns on the front of it and he looks at this black dude in the cadillac next to him and the black dude pulls a cigar out of his mouth he's wearing sunglasses at night the whole bit and he just goes welcome to new orleans players Our joke is always like, you've earned instant credibility. Yeah. When you roll into New Orleans, you roll it so deep that you immediately, like, the pimpest motherfucker on the block is like, what up, baby? <laughs> so these two white kids yeah. in a giant Cadillac. He looked over and said, those guys are fucking legit. Yeah. <laughs> those guys are rolling deep. Hey, motherfucker. Hey, motherfucker. Hey, 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 motherfucker. Hey, motherfucker. Hey, now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. 
Welcome to all the fans of the spoken word, my friends, my enemies, my lovers, enthusiasts, wooks, well-wishers, good old boys, badass bitches, sweet girls, members of my tribe. Welcome. Happy Mardi Gras. My yeah. Better get it in today now. Better get it in today. Let me tell you something. Tuesday, wherever the fuck you all are, will be just another great, dreary, sorry-ass, fucked-up Tuesday. But down here, it'll be Mardi Gras. Fuck you, you fucking fucks! Do what you wanna. Yeah? Do what you wanna. If you don't know, that Tuesday is the end of Carnival. Celebrated the world over. All kinds of countries, most likely those with a heavy Catholic influence, because this is the end of the celebration of the birth of the Sun God, also known as Jesus the Christ. The celebration actually started, of course, with Epiphany which was when the three wise men <laughs> and the magician showed up with the gifts because, you know, they had been following the star. Hmm. Okay, don't try to tell me that the wise men were astrology people and wizards. I can't even with you today. All right, all right. If you don't want to hear it, but it is in fact true. Yes, Epiphany being the announcement and... The celebration that occurred afterwards ends today. And from here forward until Good Friday, we enter into a period that some call Lent. Others call the last slog through winter, which I guess somehow relates to a groundhog in Pennsylvania about whether or not that slog will be cold or fairly decent weather-wise. Because in this quick few months span, we of course touch on all the bases, birth, death, and rebirth, the cycle of it all, and sort of the meaning of life too, maybe more on that later, I don't know, just riffing, of course in these great United States of America, Mardi Gras is closely associated with the city of New Orleans, a place where the Bible Belt unbuckles. And really, my favorite city in the lower 48. Truly. I like to consider myself an honorary local, as do the people of the fair city. Don't believe me? You just come and roam the streets with the dragon down there and see what happens. It's a very small town. Very small town. Big tourist game. So after you're there for a little bit, people recognize you. Especially if you're six foot five and look as good as I do. Shoot. Anyway, it's going to be a good time. Do what you want to. Get it all in, girl. Get it all in tonight. Because when you wake up in the morning, things may not be the same. Things could be drastically different than you thought they were when the day started. Isn't that sort of the point of it all? Well, in fact, it is. I'm glad you said that. In fact, it is the point of it all. I realized something. 
since the couple of days it's been since we've talked. If I am allowed to continue the quest, we will do great things together. I can assure you. There's no telling. There's no limit. And I know this for a fact. Because after I spoke to you last, when I went to Tyler, Texas, as I'm about to do as soon as I get finished with this, Me, oh my, I'm still wrapping my head around what happened. The thing about it is, I have proof, and the proof all ties out. I thought I was going to be talking about the killing fields the next time you heard from me. Things are developing at such a rapid pace. I got to get these out as I can. For real. I would rather do more of them than less. Thank you for the words of encouragement from those who did. Welcome to the new listeners, those of you who met me just in the last few days and those who are contemplating whether or not are they afraid of the dragon yet I love New Orleans my neighbor across the street my good friend Corey and his wife Devonna Corey worked in the administration and uh, was aware of what may be lurking with a hurricane and escaped prior to Katrina's demise half my neighborhood um are transplants from New Orleans, which makes it a bumping place to be. Let me tell you, like without question, Good Friday over here, whether I'm here or not, is going to be thumping. Oh, by the way, one of my favorite New Orleanian quotes, I believe it's Tom Robbins that wrote, you know, it's unsufferably hot in the summertime down there on the river. It is a crotch-like heat down there. Jitterbug perfume, maybe, Tom Robbins, quote of down in New Orleans. Horses sweat, men perspire, and ladies glisten. I have a lot of friends, a lot of great memories, and a lot of unfinished business down there in the Crescent City, New Orleans. This is just good reasons, isn't it? Tell you a couple of these. I first went by myself, so as an adult, the tender age of 18, with my friend. Mr. Rex, as we attended the Mimnot Ball, Anne Rice's Halloween masquerade extravaganza. In fact, on the Halloween, which the movie Interview with the Vampire was being released, starring Tom Cruise as the Vampire Lestat. Say what you will. Thought he did a decent job. Thought pretty good to the character. In that book. Because Vampire Lestat of Interview with the Vampire is much different than the vampire Lestat, who is, as I've said before, my favorite literary character of all time. Something about that Brat Prince that, I don't know, always struck an accord with me. Also, quick shout out, AMC Plus, who bought the rights to what they're calling the Immortal Universe, which was Anne Rice's wealth of material and content. Interview with the Vampire, the series I was terrified about is fantastic it is updated the right way they are putting money into it it's really well done i can't wait to see where it goes it did start in the classic way of interview but i think what's about to occur is going to be spectacular and um the mayfair chronicles or i think it may be called the mayfair witches but just based around her novel of a family known as the Mayfairs in New Orleans as well. 
Anyway, that was my first time to go to New Orleans by myself. Me and a buddy, you know, not going through with the parents when I was younger. Sort of kind of had my first ghosty experience in a carriage house in the Garden District that we were staying at that weekend. Just in that we heard some things, definitely thought people were there, and then no people. By the way, I wore a tux to the ball at the bar. One of, I think there were 20 bars set up in this warehouse. There were like 6,000 people at this party. Standing at this bar, sort of, I mean, talk about people watching. This is coming from a fish fan. This was out of control. This guy walks up next to me at the bar, wearing jeans. A white t-shirt and a Richard Nixon mask. I had just ordered a Makers on the rocks. And he said, I'll have what he's having. And I turned to look at Richard Nixon as he lifted his Richard Nixon mask. And oh, there was New Orleans' own Trent Reznor. Hello, sir. We would attend the next year where I would see someone that I went to school with fall prey to. I mean, one of the most advertised warnings of a city ever. It's actually been exported around the world and he fell prey to what he was warned of to beware of pickpockets and loose women and in his drunken stupor went down an alleyway looking for fun and fulfillment and ended up with his chinos around his ankles and his wallet gone and his stumble bumbly ass landed face down in the muck as said prostitute who was more than likely just a dude in a mini skirt took his wallet the best part was him explaining to his parents <laughs> he explained to us that he didn't need to lie to his parents because he said well mom she's gonna be upset but i think dad will understand and of course we have welcome to new orleans players it was also coming back from new orleans one of my strangest interactions in the world to date happened with the mother of my daughter, Marisha, and I gone down to New Orleans for the weekend and we're driving back up into Tyler. She had not yet been to the house or anything like that. We were just, I was driving through town late, like it's early in the morning. We're kind of driving through on the way back to Dallas. And as fate would have it, I had this record that I'd been spinning by the rock and roll giddy up known as the Greyhounds playing. It was their first record, wherein Mr. Andrew Troop sings song about my hometown and how we do. And it is a funk representative of where we come from. Well, it had been playing and we're on Broadway, not too far from the cemetery I mentioned last time. Anybody that's familiar with Tyler will know how strange this is that the CD had long since ended and it was a CD, a compact disc this for the children. And we were just conversing without any music as we're pulling in. Little did I know that there was in fact a hidden track on that record. And as we are passing Bergfield Center, Marisha sees the Wyatt's cafeteria and says, oh, there's a Wyatt's. And at that very moment, out of the speakers, my good friend Andrew Troop says, I like Wyatt's. I like Luby's. It's a miracle that that car did not flip backwards. Because in fact, this hidden track on said record 
That is how it started. And that is how that story happened. And that is a truth. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in a minute. I've got a new observation about life, relationships in general. See if you, uh, see if this makes sense, but I accidentally butt dialed about six or seven people between 2.30 and 3 in the morning, the night of the eclipse. Um, my FaceTime on my phone opened, so I was ass dialing FaceTime. I was ass dialing FaceTime, FaceTime dialing my ass, FaceTime ass dialing, FaceTime ass dialing. I like that. FaceTime ass dialing about the last six people that I had FaceTimed with, which I don't use a ton. In fact, I just now thought about the fact that I have not contacted one of them who was my buddy's wife, who I was, when I was stuck trying to get a hold of them in Kansas. I couldn't get a hold of either one of them. That was one of the methods that I used. It didn't work. Unfortunately, one of the other people that I FaceTime, ass dialed, doesn't like me much anymore because my phone didn't work that same weekend in Kansas, oddly enough. But my realization is this. You can judge a lot about how your relationship is with someone based on how they treat you or react to you accidentally face dialing face dialing based on how you accidentally <laughs> you can judge a lot by relationship with a person <laughs> I'm sorry you you can you can tell uh, a lot about how your relationship is going with someone that you FaceTime ass dial? What did we say it was? I don't even remember now. God. I'm sorry. But you have to think this is funny, honey. You have to. You can tell a lot about how your relationship is going with someone based on how they react to you ass dial FaceTime. <laughs> because after... I asked Dial FaceTimed numerous people, including my ex-wife. Oh, there was only one person that called me the next day screaming at me. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this shit up. You can't. You know, you can't. Oh, God. I'm sorry, hon. What other choice do I have? I don't get to bounce these ideas off of you anymore. What are you going to do? Oh, God. Kill me now. Anyway, I thought it was funny. how freeform go sometimes i'll get right back to the greyhounds in tyler texas after i tell you one more good one as i mentioned i also have some unfinished business in new orleans and it's because i started working on something um, a few years back down there sort of an ongoing thing the good stuff doesn't come overnight anyway how to put this i had been down there 
in New Orleans and went to the Haunted Museum, Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum, with a friend. Had interviewed her afterwards, sat in the seance room and the whole thing. She had recently acquired it. This place used to be a voodoo temple. And uh, there's another aspect to the museum that is closely associated with an old story from New Orleans that I'm familiar with that I covered when I was doing the news back in the day. And uh, it sparked a curiosity about kind of remembering this this old story. I came back and started doing a little research on it. Found that there was a documentary that had been made about it, but that it had, I couldn't find it anywhere. It had not been released. I ended up contacting the person who made said documentary out of the blue on Twitter. Asked if we could have a chat, and we did. We're on the phone for about an hour and a half. Good dude named Rob. Runs a tour company down there as a playwright. Respected member of the community. And this time frame coincides with the filming of Devil's Creek and everything. And <coughs> like I said, we've been on the phone for about an hour and a half. And he says, now, um, why are you so interested in, in these two people? And I said, honestly, because I'm a fish fan and they look like two of my friends. They look like two of my people. And he said, oh, you're into fish, huh? I was like, yep. You know Trey Anastasio? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up with Trey. I have to say at this moment, you may have, may or may not know anything about the band, the rock and roll outfit, the four, the fabulous four from Burlington, Vermont, the greatest rock and roll band to roam the planet, period. Magicians, wizards, and Jedis, they all are. Jedi. There's no really like, Sort of halfway with fish. <laughs> I mean, they are the quintessential occult band in that you either are in it or you're not. You know, you're fervent, small following. Trey Anastasio is a person that it, mo more than likely, if you saw him, you would not recognize him. And as many a fish fan the world over have taken pictures of him without his knowledge in normal situations like pumping gas. And standing in line at a deli in New York City with a bag of oranges hanging from his hand. All the while, the people in the restaurant, every single other person in there would have no idea that a foot away from them was a man who melted faces for a living. And could seriously open up a space-time continuum chasm in the ground underneath his feet. And change the course of history. Yet he walks among the mortals. Unnoticed. Shout out Fat Tuesday. Yeah I know Trey. I, I, I grew up with Trey. Oh okay. I'm sure probably a lot of people did right? Yeah Um. in fact you know that. Uh, the first picture of the band. This is where he will start to realize that. Like every other person that's intimately involved with me in life. Knows that. Yeah I know about the first band photo. You mean the ROTC photo, said a nerd named Clint? Yeah, uh, I took that picture, Rob says. I'm like, what? Really? It was, yeah. In fact, do you know um, why Trey was kicked out of UVM, the University of Vermont? Well, of course I do, Rob. It's the old heart in the hand. <laughs> While he was currently playing a prank with some guys in Colorado via the mail, Trey 
somehow acquired a cadaver's hand and a goat heart, placed the heart in the hand with a note around the finger that said, I have to hand it to you, you have heart, put it in a box, and put it in the mail. Well, Rob put it in the mail. Yeah, I was kicked out of university too. I mailed that package. Like, who in the heck are you, dude? And here I am talking to this guy about this completely unrelated subject that I had sought out, looked up, contacted, spent, seriously, almost two hours talking to before any of this came up. And he's like, oh, yeah, crazy. Two days later, I was um, down in New Orleans for um, a private screening. And then a couple of months later, I was with this dude in Madison Square Garden and we were watching the New Year's Eve fish show in the fish section. Like Trey's dad's right there. Because that's how my life do. (laughs) Readings from the Messiah's Handbook and reminders for the advanced soul. Take your dying with some seriousness. Laughing on the way to your execution is not generally understood by lesser life forms. And they'll call you crazy. Like I've said before, I'm fully aware of how bad shit this all sounds. One that I'd like to share from a couple of days ago in Tyler, Texas. Oh, Tyler, how I long to see you again. Ooh, look at that bosom. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, that's right. I did something kind of silly when I was down there. I started trying to talk kind of nice to the area because um, in the past it had been all cusses and stuff. But this was daytime. I mean, morning, like 1030 in the morning. You want to hear me sing you a song real quick before I go? Okay, everybody, quiet down. Really? You want to hear me sing you a song real quick before I go? Okay, everybody, quiet down. There's a response. Did you catch that? Do you want me to sing? Not you, fish. Which, in the grand scheme of things, may be the most bananas thing that anyone without a body could say to a person with a body. In predicting what was about to occur. But of course he was right. I feel I never told you the story of the ghost that I once knew and talked to, of whom I never boast. I feel like a king, yeah, cause I just kissed my baby. We miracle workers got to stick together. The sentence was both kind and horrifying. We miracle workers. Some of us start learning these things subconsciously. Our waking mind won't accept it. So we do our miracles in our sleep. Don't be impatient. We're all on our way to learning more. It will come to you a little faster now, and you'll be a wise old spiritual maestro before you know it. What do you mean before I know it? I don't want to know it. I don't want to know anything. You don't want to know anything. Well, I mean, I want to know why the world is and what it is and why I live here and where I'm going next. I want to know that. If you learn what the world is and how it works, you automatically start getting miracles. What will be called miracles. But of course, nothing is miraculous. Learn what the magician knows and it's not magic anymore. He looked away from the sky. You're like everybody else. You already know this stuff. You're just not aware that you know it yet. I don't recall. I don't recall you asking me whether I want to learn this thing. Whatever it is that 
has brought you crowds and misery all your life, it seems to have slipped my mind. You don't worry about the crowds. They can't touch you unless you want them to. Your magic, remember? Poof. You're invisible and walk through doors. Crowd got you at Troy, didn't it? Did I say I didn't want them to? I allowed that. I liked it. There's a little ham in all of us or we'd never make it as masters. But didn't you quit? One and only full-time messiah. I quit cold. But I can't unlearn what I've spent lifetimes coming to know, can I? Look, what are you trying to tell me? Maybe you ought to tell me. You and I have some kind of mystical agreement, which apparently I have forgotten and you have not. I'm going to say that we met three or 4,000 years ago, give or take a day. Keep talking. I don't have to keep talking because you already know what things people know. Why do you bother with people like me? You don't need me. You don't need anything at all from this world. There are no adventures when you know that you can't be troubled by anything on this earth. Your only problem is that you don't have any problems. Do you know why I quit the Messiah job? It's the kind of crowd that doesn't care at all about what I came to say. You can walk New York to London on the ocean. You can pull gold coins out of forever and still not make them care. You know what I mean? He was dying of his need to say what he knew and nobody cared enough to listen. If your happiness depends on what somebody else does, I guess you do have a problem. He jerked his head up and his eyes blazed as though I had hit him with the wrench. Then he sort of half smiled and he said, you know what, you are right. By noon, I finished my version of the universe and all things that dwelled therein. I had explained the panorama of life to him and my Messiah, as though he had heard all he needed and that one chance word about this happiness had fallen fast asleep.